स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट हेलो एंड वेलकम टू टेल मी हाउ यू डेट इट आई एम नम्रता सकारिया एंड आई एम हियर टू ब्रिंग टू यू माई हैंड पिक लिस्ट ऑफ सम ऑफ इंडिया फाइनेस्ट ब्रांड्स यस आर बेस्ट होम ग्रोन कंपनीज that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down these companies range from food fashion and film to home art and design i'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows they also made india proud make sure you tune in at hdsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses listen to them tell me how they did it Today's episode brings to you an exciting little farm that's 7000 feet above sea level in the mountains of Kumaon in Uttarakhand. Surrounded by thick oak and rhododendron forests, the Rima Farms makes artisanal cheese using no preservatives or additives to standardize the milk. The Rima supports a thousand farmer families across a dozen villages in Kumaon. Once the co-founders Arvind Chawla and Saurabh Vinayak arrived at a uh, growing organic cheese with their five cows they then gifted a cow to each village family with the understanding that the locals would supply to the dairy today the rima cheese is available in 30 cities across 100 outlets across india this was only 3 years ago when they started what a wonderful story of supporting the rural economy and turning it into an effective enterprise i'm talking to arvin chawla today sorov is up in the hills and cannot connect to a network we are sorry to miss him but arvin welcome to my podcast is this a problem how do you guys communicate or get any work done so thank you for having me uh, on your podcast i think it's a great opportunity for us really to share our story which though young but i believe is very powerful so sorov and i met in 2014 and i had gone up to see the estate that he had built which has these beautiful houses i think precisely in about 15 minutes we were done with the talking about the house and we got down to have a coffee and as all good things happen over a conversation uh, we uh, you know sat down and talked about the challenges that the people face up in the hills especially the farmer community which is kind of the least addressed in this country and uh, i could relate to it because i had spent 16 years uh, or at that time maybe 12 years in the fertilizer industry and i had worked a lot with farmer programs on uh, you know improving the nutrition of the soils and better crops so i related to this and we got talking and there were many ideas that came out of this conversation it was uh, from uh, you know aggregating fruit to growing organic produce uh to uh you know possibly doing something with milk so then started a two year journey where we just played with many ideas we aggregated fruit we grew herbs but we realized all of those spaces were being addressed in some way or form and they all had a very political angle to it because you know there were middlemen involved there were mandis involved and the quality of produce in uttarakhand was very basic it wasn't comparable to himachal or i would say uh, kashmir okay so then we zeroed in that let's do something with cheese uh, because uh, it's a value added product and the strong belief that 
you are addressing the least addressed uh, community and you're producing a product that only 2% of india's population can afford so the bridge that uh, we were trying to build was really the big story so uh, with saurav yeah you know uh, we have a good working relationship there are no commitments that uh, he calls me whenever he can i call him whenever we can we send out messages so yeah sometimes without connectivity also we manage to get things done you can read each other's mind it's almost like telepathy uh you know it's interesting though we are about 10 years apart age wise uh, come from different worlds in terms of careers yeah he's from nenital you've gone to harvard and insiat and of course uh, you know gaziabad how did you meet and you know how did you decide to to so, come together for this enterprise very very interesting situation uh i am friends with his father in law who oh, happens okay. to be the pediatrician of both my boys who are 17 and 14 <laughs> now so i've known dr rai since uh, 17 years talk about and, a corporate network here's a personal yeah. one so, so so basically where it started was one day my wife was sitting at uh, dr rai's uh, nursing home and said dr rai are you going to be doing this all your life he says no my son in law makes these gorgeous houses in the hills i'm going to ask him to make me one and i'm going to move and i'm going to actually serve the village kids there she saw photos i was i think in moscow she sent me these photos on whatsapp and i said we have to go see this place and that's where it started so means and despite the age difference i think you know we complement each other because he has skill sets which i don't and i have skill sets which possibly he has them in a milder form so that's how it works between the two of us how did both of you commit to a dairy i mean both of you have other jobs as well he's building homes you've been in assorted businesses including uh, rentals in uttarakhand and goa um how did you commit to doing an extra job together uh see you know uh, there is uh, this belief i have uh, there is this world called alter ego right alter <laughs> ego normally is your second character it is uh, you know the trusted friend but it is also the real person in your head so for saurav i think he is this organic farmer means we all do our careers for a living right but it does not feed your soul what we are doing now is feeding our soul so my alter ego is someone who could have been an architect or in my mind i could have been a chef i had to do something with food my initial education was in hotel management i worked with itc for a bit but in the early 90s being the kid of a bureaucrat it was very doubtful i could have you know said to my father i want to be a chef so food had to happen whether it was in the form of a restaurant or actually a product which is so precious like cheese so somewhere i think uh, on a very basal level we both uh, were very passionate about doing something which also helped people but yet created value for ourselves of satisfying a very deep need so i i think that's that's where it came from i love that and how did this passion project turn into a social enterprise i mean you say that at the core of the rima is to turn village girls into cheese makers so tell me more tell me all about this see the intrinsic value system always existed that it had to take the community along because that's where the idea came out Yeah but initially in order for the community to trust you 
Yeah. You had to show by example that it can be done. So we brought in two girls who were working on the estate on odd jobs and we started training them. And on the side, we had a dairy which was growing from five cows over the year. It grew to about 25 odd cows. And uh, by showing that example, and then I think uh, Saurabh, uh, because he comes from the hills and the fact that uh, he carries that goodwill in the hills, there were a lot of meetings with villagers, with, uh, you know, the panchayats, telling them that we are trying to do this. And also what helped was one of the trips of one of the agriculture ministers of Uttarakhand, who decided to just pass by the facility, and they believed that we were doing something nice. And I think it was just leading by example that the first year when we started selling, we only had our own cows, right? And Those then, five cows. Yeah, I think it, it had gone to about 25 odd cows by then. Uh, there were five cows in 2016, but they had become about 25. And then uh, seeing that, I think uh, a lot of the villagers showed interest. We started with uh, maybe, I think, 70 litres a day from the villages. Today, which stands at 800 litres a day. That's uh, fantastic. We started with one village. Uh, we are at about 12 now. Uh, we started making uh, 300 kgs a month. Today, we make two tons a month. That's 2,000 kgs. So I think the shift was natural because the value system was intact. It was always clear that we wanted to do it with the community because uh, you cannot uh, exist in uh, a community and just, you know, kind of be detached from it. Yeah. Because a social project or even a project which involves uh, people has to be embedded in the community. And so, the community is most important because you're on their land. So to have their trust and to hold their hand and tell them that, uh, you know, it's win-win for both situations is really what a social enterprise is about, right? You I have think a very interesting thing uh, that happened was that Sora uh, had a deep uh, desire to give back to the people who actually gave him so much in terms of a great childhood in the hills, studying in the hills, working with them, buying land, making these houses. But he felt that, uh, you know, what was happening was a lot of the young kids in the hills were running to the cities because there was no opportunity. Uh, and somewhere, I think, creating livelihoods also is a responsibility of people who come in from outside by collaborating with the people who already are there. Uh, because that's the only way, you know, things can improve. But is it risky choosing village women or village girls as as your uh, as your protégés simply because they might just leave when they get married? I mean, was that a risk you took or was that deliberate? See, I think uh, giving an opportunity to someone to have respectable employment and making that shift in their mind that I can do this, right? is I think something so phenomenal. Even if people leave, we'll train more. It's, it's you know, it's, it's the life you changed. It's the empowerment you provided. It's the platform you gave. It's not really about people. You can't be fearful of people leaving. If they value what they have, most, most likely they will not. But there can be constraints. There could be reason. Young girls could get married. They could move to a further off village. But the journey she had within herself, will stay with her forever. 
But that's what they say. You employ a man and you feed a family and you employ a woman and you 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 take care of the whole community. You change their life forever. Absolutely. Right? You learned, both of you learned making cheese in 2016 and finally began selling, I think, in 2018, right? Yes. So what, what sort of cheeses do you make? Hard cheese? semi-soft, what do, you, what do you guys make? So we primarily specialize in semi-hard and hard European style cheese. Okay. Uh, uh, to name a few, you have the Swiss Gruyere, uh, you have the Italian Montasio, you have okay. the French slash uh, Swiss uh, Tom. Uh, we have flavors of these cheese as well. We do the farmhouse cheddar, which is not the very, very deep flavored cheddar. It's a very mild, young cheese, uh, cures for 45 days. We also have started uh, doing a version of the Parmesan, which has been widely accepted. Ours is just a seven, eight month right now, but we're curing the 12 month variety. We also created, uh, with the help of our team, uh, two cheese, which is the chili worm and zarai. Uh, zarai. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's a spice rubbed uh, cheese. Yeah. Uh, it does not have an analog globally, neither does the chili worm. They have worked very well with Indians as well as foreigners because uh, somehow, you know, it's got this Indianness to it, yet it's very international and very, very palatable to people from all across. Means a lot of our clients are actually expats. What are the challenges of making organic cheese in a country as large as India? Um, I mean, transportation and shelf life, is that an issue since you use no preservatives or chemicals or acid regulators? None of that. So I think challenges, I would put them, I wouldn't even call them twofold, they're threefold. First challenge was actually getting the community to believe us, have a buy-in with the community so that they could walk along. Second challenge, because the cheesemaking industry, except the commercial one, which uses different equipments, because uh, it's like a two-minute noodle, where uh, you're doing the same thing that we would do in six months in maybe two or three days, the equipment doesn't exist for an artisan small cheesemaker. So we had to custom make everything. So that was challenge number two. Challenge number three was in the world of Amuls and the Britannias and all the MNCs and the big names. How does a naturally made non-preservative cheese brand make its mark? It was getting people to try it and trust it. So began the journey of two years, me standing at farmer markets despite, uh, you know, the baggage I carry of being a corporate slave. Uh, and it just worked because people saw the intent was clean. People saw it was out there. It was transparent. Me with my son would stand at markets Sunday after Sunday. And that's where I think 2018, I think a lot of foundation where a lot of our buyers today, including hotels like ITC Group, uh, I think, you know, encountered us. Uh, so, yeah, these were the challenges. Uh, uh, I think uh, logistics is not such a big challenge. Uh, you know, ice packs, uh, we don't even have uh, cold vans yet yet because we don't have those volumes. Uh, we can manage well with ice packs and uh, ice boxes. Uh, but soon, I think next year when we launch our new facility, we'll have, uh, you know, refrigerated vans. So I don't think we, we ship it out uh, all across the country and uh, we've not had any major episodes uh, where any of the spoilages happen. I 
can imagine you standing in a flea market with the tray and, and those two picks and saying, try this cheese. But, you know, on a serious note, I think India has gone through some sort of food revolution in the last few years, maybe a decade, I would say. You know, our supermarket shelves are filled with like stylishly packaged chocolate, cereal, honey, cheese, what have you. What do you attribute this change into artisan in lifestyle to to choosing an artisanal product over a big fmcg company i think with every generation comes a change right so our parents uh, lived in purer times where they ate pure food then came our generation i'm talking people between 30 to 50 now uh, we started you know possibly uh, stunned by the glamour of the west and all this processed food and this rapid uh, post liberalization yes. right the imported food blitz was like yes. just binged on it yeah and uh, but somewhere i think when we became parents we realized what we're doing is absolutely wrong because we saw our kids were not as active as we were they did not step out as much and if they were eating non healthy foods uh we were actually you know uh, pushing them towards uh, doom i would say because uh, they would have health issues much earlier on and one of those stories was really my own son every time he would have let's say a dominos pizza he would complain of stomach cramps and he didn't have any lactose intolerance he didn't have any of those issues so i somehow in my mind or with my little knowledge of food i assumed it was really a question of uh, preservatives or emulsifiers or something that was troubling his uh, gut and uh, actually i was right because since the day he's been having archies uh, means they eat it every day and uh, i haven't seen an episode since then so somewhere i think i was right it is also about people and i think covid has helped people have realized what you put into your body is extremely important and i think uh, covid has taken us 5 years ahead in a uh, clean slow food uh, revolution which started maybe you know 5 or 7 years back would you be able to give me numbers on what the market share is uh, between homegrown foods versus imported foods right now maybe even in cheese so interestingly i think still homegrown food the organic industry though rapidly growing i i would say still accounts for 7 to 8% of the total mass of trade whether it's imported because you know when it's competition it's competition whether it's imported or it's local right so there is a processed food industry and there is the organic or natural food industry organic also is the word which is i think widely misused so i always prefer to say natural food industry because i think it makes more sense uh, natural foods are ones which don't have high level of processing uh because even let's say blending something is also a process right so you cannot say they are not processed at all but they mildly processed and they do not have chemicals stabilizers emulsifiers colors basically no chemicals so but i think this is going through a huge shift because uh, the middle class is growing in india i think uh, greatly uh, to some extent i think the government is also taking notice of it where they want more organic farming more control on let's say pesticides and so many other things so i do believe this would be growing very rapidly in the years to come otherwise you won't see like hundreds of brands today which are just sprouting 
and uh, even to the extent that imports of uh, foreign cheese foreign butters everything's going down because better options are available in the country at comparable prices or even maybe sometimes cheaper you say your company is zero debt it's fully sustainable i want to understand how do you manage that with one of the most quickly perishable items in the world so interestingly uh, from the beginning on i think saurav and i decided that we're going to keep it between ourselves till uh, we find someone who believes in the value system of the brand and believes uh, in not uh, rapid commercialization of the brand we don't want to go to 500 tons a year we don't want to become another commercial cheese brand we want to possibly organically grow to maybe say 100 150 but impacting huge amount of people but not compromising on the quality so we've tried to keep it very private till now uh, but you know i've heard of a lot of uh, financial investments that come in from organizations who actually fund social enterprises who are not looking for a stake from you but they're possibly looking at uh, a possibility to partner with someone who has a good value system and is actually doing some stuff for the community so we would actually look at an investor of that kind who would possibly go with the brand values and not uh, just grow and numbers and profits and margins and valuations uh, i don't think we're after that uh, i think we have a longer bigger vision on it would you be able to tell me how the milk source from a single animal household is different from a commercial dairy because we we speak of it in very general terms but how does the back end work see commercial dairies uh, to be fair to them have to go through a certain set of precautions because of so, uh, so many animals in a restricted space uh, they have a very uh, kind of calculated diet that goes in a lot of it is dry uh, diet uh, fodder then there will be certain medications given so that there is no uh, you know possibility of infections in the herd and uh, a lot of those things so which does impact you know the quality of milk or what is going in the milk right so influences of medicines used and all of those things would always exist in dairy produced milk which would be a commercial dairy which is basically producing milk to sell milk you mean infections the cows pick up from each other yes yes so basically a single animal households normally these are free grazing animals they are independent uh the family care for them like family uh, because it also feeds the family so we have a very simple formula so part of the milk the family uses but what we procure is what they could not use and the yeah. only avenue they had really to uh, sell was to the government federation which pays yeah. maybe uh, half of what we pay wow yeah may i ask you the additions you're making on the farm now i hear you're going to open a cafe uh, a wine cellar is a wine room or a wine cellar yeah. a viewing gallery uh, it sounds like a tourist destination come resort so interestingly what we, uh, what it's part of the vision right so uh, one we believe that if you've done some good work uh, you can be shy as people but as an organization or a brand you cannot be shy about the good work that you've done i think you should stand on top of the mountain and shout out so I that's agree. precisely having a good product is is one half of the job the other job is to market it 
So we have decided to actually, it's underway as we speak. Uh, it's a two-acre facility, uh, which will have installed capacities to go. We have a production volume of 30 tons right now. We could be able to easily go 5x on that, so about 150 tons. Uh, we already are in talks with 20 other villages, uh, which would be happy to supply. We may also increase the uh, price for the farmer once this facility is operational. Uh, the team could double or triple. Uh, this facility will have a full viewing kitchen, so people can walk in, buy a little ticket. It'll be nominal. It won't be something very expensive. We don't want it to be a luxury item. We want it to be something people appreciate. So it'll be affordable. People walk in, they see the process without disturbing the team. And towards the end of the gallery, they get a taste of the cheese and they can buy the cheese. Then they move to the cafe, which also will have a wine gallery. So you can, you know, indulge uh, in wine and cheese tasting. We are already in talks with some of the top wine brands in the country uh, where uh, we would possibly try and collaborate. Then uh, the cafe will also be like uh, a stage for chefs to come. Uh, because a lot of our growth has been because of uh, huge support from some of the prominent young chefs in the country. We would like to invite them over. There'll be staying facilities for them. There'll be also dorms for young uh, people who obviously can't afford an expensive room or stay at a hotel. So we'll have dorm rooms where we can have interns from hotel institutes. You know, the idea is to, uh, sometimes people feel that, you know, everything which is, which you're doing should be a trade secret and it should be closed. I, I think if you have to grow the market of any product, you really have to open it out. Let the product pie grow, the share grow, and then you take your rightful share if you are uh, you know, smart people and you can keep up with demands of the market. You keep referring to the government in, in our conversation. Do you work with the government? Do you have them involved? And I'm presuming this is the state government, right? Of Uttarakhand. Yes. So uh, we have had engagement with them. They have made a couple of visits. Uh, they are quite vested in the idea that we're trying to create an ecosystem which supports the farmer families of the region. Also that we are creating respectable employment for people. Uh, so there would be some uh, support from the government coming in way of uh, supporting us uh, with low-cost loans uh, to for our expansion uh, and also possibly maybe at a certain point some subsidy uh, in terms of supporting uh, some of the aspects of the business. Uh, but principally, uh, we are engaging with them and I think uh, they would certainly you know, uh, be happy about what we're doing and uh, we should be able to get their support. So does the Rima work like a cooperative or does it employ the villagers? So uh, basically there is a cooperative angle, which is for the procurement of milk, okay. which is named as the same uh, uh, name as the company okay. that runs the business. But the business also employs the girls who make the cheese who are also from the villages. So there are two aspects to it. There is this cooperative, which is basically for the collection of milk. Mm -hmm. And there is this company which operates and takes it to market. It sounds wonderful. But I want to ask you, how does one scale up a slow food artisanal enterprise? Is it even possible or does it, you have to find middle ground or does it go against the very grain of, of the business? Interestingly, uh, 
we've had a very organic path you know the first year we did two and a half tons of cheese uh, which was produced and sold the next year it became six the following year it, it became 12 we are hoping we end this year with 25 uh, it's just you know when you start a movement organically with good intent uh, it just starts to fall in place and i don't think uh, it is uh, one of those aspects where uh organically also things grow means forests grow right nobody went and put water for the forest so nobody went and put fertilizer in the trees they just grow so if it's a i think a good clean movement it automatically grows and it will tell you when it is time to stop when it is going against the vein or the value system of the brand so we will only grow naturally till we grow Can you tell me how the villages have changed or how the life livelihoods the lifestyles of the villagers has changed in the last 2 years 3 years I understand there's also covid but does more money or a more sustainable uh, means of being productive does that uh, change them in any way See interestingly what uh, you know sometimes the number I may possibly tentatively say it's like 6 or 700 rupees extra uh for a family but for us in the cities that may mean nothing but for people in the village that could mean a kid's education right so, so 600 rupees a month extra extra okay so 6 to 700 but this is gradually going to grow right because yeah. once the movement grows the yeah. amount of milk it is how many people you're impact otherwise a lot of times they were not even a lot of times the uh, milk was getting wasted or was being sold at throwaway prices yeah so i think it's too early to say the real yeah. impact story i think the impact stories are best calculated at year 5 and year 10 where you can actually put some statistics to it but very preliminary i feel there are 12 girls who are employed and trained to be cheese makers i'm telling you some of these girls can without looking at the variety of the cheese tell you what is a gruyere and what is a cheddar and a lot, lot of us in the cities uh, with all the travel in the world all the interesting uh, good life things possibly can't do that i'm i'm most certainly impressed where do we see darima in year 5 hoping to be uh, at least uh, twice of what our current target is uh with a new facility uh with more support more people you know liking us uh with a very clear brand story uh which is out there because we were very shy till now to talk about it so much uh but i think uh, the time has come when i think a good thing has to be talked about and i think we'll also have a very powerful vision mission of where really we want to talk the uh, you know take the company to or the enterprise too because uh, that will be something that will define when is the time to stop and what is the uh, organic size that we produced because we wouldn't want to push it to become another commercial company and gift it to the world yeah arvin this has been a wonderful conversation i'm so happy to learn about what you both are doing i hope i get to visit it soon and i know i will um thank you for taking the time and sharing your story with us Thank you so much. I think it was absolutely our pleasure. If you enjoyed the show or not, write to me on Instagram, Twitter, or Clubhouse at Namrata Sitaram. 
you can catch the video podcast on the Lifeline channel on YouTube. For updates on Tell Me How You Did It, follow us at HT Smartcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.